I'm Mitch Album, and welcome to this edition of Tuesday People, our podcast weekly on Tuesdays. That is based on the book Tuesdays with Maury, which was written back in 1997, and the lessons have reverberated ever since for me, for many readers around the world, and I find that they have guided me throughout my life, and every Tuesday we're now sort of revisiting lessons that I learned alongside my college professor as he was dying from Lou Gehrig's disease and taught one last class in what's important in life once you know you're going to die, and we take some of those lessons and bring them up to date and share them with you as to how to live a better life right now. And right now is a challenging time, as we know, because we're in the middle of uh, COVID-19. Forget about the elections and divisiveness on a political front. Just on a, 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 a individual human front, it's very difficult to get through these days because the things that were so much a part of our lives, our touchstones, our our communities, the way that we interacted with people, our physical touch, hugging, kissing, uh, sitting down and breaking bread with one another, uh, shopping, uh, going to ball games and concerts, all of this has been turned on its ear. And how do we navigate that now? And we have an interesting show today lined up for you uh, where we're welcoming a, a, one of our listeners Let's talk about a situation that affected her. First, I want to say hi to Lisa Goitsch, our friend and producer of the program. Always good to see you, Lisa. Hey, Mitch. You have uh, had your own uh, challenges during COVID-19, as, as have we all. Although I don't, yes. think that, uh, I don't think you ever got tased at a football game. I was watching a, a news report the other night what? where a, a, woman, yeah, a woman who came to watch her child play football or some game was in the stands and didn't have a mask on in the stands. And somehow the police came over and this escalated because she didn't have a mask on, even though it was outdoors and she was in the stands and there was nobody near her. And they ended up wrestling with her and they tased her over not wearing a mask, (laughs) not wearing a mask in in, in, in the bleachers for a kid's sporting event. This is where we have gone to. So... I got to say, um, we're in uncharted territory here. Uh, but we got a letter. We got many, uh, many interesting uh, emails and calls and messages. And this one struck both uh, Lisa and I. And Lisa, I thank you for bringing this to my attention. And as Lisa's idea is, hey, you know, this is probably a good subject for a show. And, and I agree. So let me share with you a little bit of this letter and then welcome, welcome our guest in. Uh, it says, thanks for the opportunity to share a situation that's affecting students and families all over the country. As schools are back in session in one format or another, there's a divisiveness that's occurring between families and kids regarding how to interact with each other. We live in a town that has luckily had a low volume of coronavirus cases. This summer, we decided to play at low key and join a small local swim club with a few families. We all shared the same fear, exercised caution by really only hanging out with one another not letting people into our houses, staying very safe. Opted to have our children do remote learning versus the hybrid option that our school district offered. Two of the families have parents who are teachers and teaching both hybrid and remote, thus being in the schools and around other students. While this pandemic has caused isolation across the country, it has exacerbated problems that students may have had in the past and even made new situations come to light, such as anxiety, depression, other learning issues. Our daughter wasn't doing well with all the remote learning as the school year began. So we began, we decided rather, to make the switch to have her attend school in person. 
we had a feeling that this would be met with mixed feelings from these same families who might not want our daughter to hang around their kids now that she's attending school. To make matters worse, our school reported a positive case of coronavirus this week. Yesterday, to my disappointment, we experienced a cold reception and distant behavior from those we consider to be great friends and whom we have spent almost every day since March doing something safe and outside. Some comments they made in their fear of not even wanting to walk near us or talk to us was obvious to myself and my 10-year-old daughter. She's sadly feeling alienated by a great friend because of the fear coming from the parents. It seems hypocritical as the parents are in school themselves. We have no doubt that this is the tip of an iceberg with other families feeling the same things, etc. Uh, it is. I have heard this throughout. Uh, the writer referenced the book that I wrote, Human Touch, over uh, you know when COVID first started, which I wrote online and gave away for free for charity to help fight COVID-19. And the pr- premise of that was that people really were going to miss human contact with one another and people were going to start to turn on one another when they suspect, oh, you're not being taken this as serious as we are or you're taking chances or you might have the disease or you mm-hmm. could give it to us. Let us welcome a Jody from Delaware who joins us here on the program to talk about this. Hello, Jody. How are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? Good. Thank you for writing us, uh, first of all, and thank you for uh, coming on and talking about this. It's... Uh, I think something that a lot of parents are going through as you as you've uh, talked about this, have you found other people, maybe friends or family members around the country who are experiencing similar kinds of things? Yes, I think people are experiencing this in a lot of places, and I think as the weeks go by and things continue to change, the situation is is fluid. So I think that many people are worried about who they're interacting with now that schools are back and and kids are now more in the mainstream than they were during the summer months. It it always uh, surprised me that school is such a, when you think about it, it's such a community event. Here are all these different parents sending their children to one place uh, working and, and learning together in a single room with uh, you know a single teacher in that room and everybody trusting that it's going to be safe, that it's going to be good. I mean, there's so many sort of moments in a school experience where parents have to sort of trust one another, have to sort of trust the school, have to think the best of one another. And yet here comes COVID-19 and everybody's like the exact opposite. Everybody is distrustful, distrustful of the teachers, distrustful of the school, distrustful of the other parents. It went from being a community thing to every person for themselves. I feel exactly the same way. And we were even talking when the spring happened and the teachers were the heroes jumping in and doing everything they could with remote learning happening almost literally overnight. And then as the schools were trying to open, they almost were turning on the teachers saying that they don't want to go back to work. They're scared for themselves and they have their own families too. So there's so many issues happening and it's been amazing how people have turned. Not all people, but some people turn. So obviously none of this, there is nothing that affects that is true for all people, except that we're born and we die. And (laughs) other than that, it's all different cases within, within that. But tell me about your daughter a little bit. Uh, What, you know, how has she been, processing this you know what 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 did she think was going to happen now that some of these things have transpired with neighbors and friends how has it changed her and her mood her approach well what's interesting is when this situation happened 
almost the minute we walked away, she looked at me and said, this is exactly what I thought would happen when I went back to school. I think she knew hmm. that people would start to feel this way, um, mainly because these are the people we had been hanging out with over the summer and listening to their comments. And, you know, we shared the similar fears and we were all being ultra careful. Um, but when things change, you know, you have to really weigh the, the mental health and the, the need for socialization and connectedness to, you know, everything else that's going on. And now let me let me make sure let, let me make sure I have this situation straight. So sure. the people that you hung out with over the summer, your kind of pool group, mm-hmm. you were all unified. Then you all felt like you were you know doing the right thing and doing the right thing together, right? Correct, exactly. Now you you are the only one of that group who has a child in school, you know, going to school. Is that right? That's correct. Yep, that's exactly okay. right. So even though you say some of the people involved are parents, are teachers, who they themselves are going to school, you're the only one who's sending a child to school of the Exactly. Group. Yes. Okay. So how much of this do you think is the human dynamic of, I thought we were a team. I thought we were all doing the same thing together, and then you broke away, and you're, you're disloyal to the team mentality here, so we're going to freeze you out. You know, I'm not so sure that it's that other than when you think of situations, and I was trying to explain this to my daughter, who's, of course, in fifth grade, so it's it's a hard concept to learn at an early age, but I tried to explain to her that you really, when, when certain life things happen, such as um, someone getting sick in a family or parents getting divorced or somebody moving, you really find out who your true friends are. And yeah. maybe that's not going to be the continuous case. You know, these these families could bounce back and things could change just as they changed on a dime here. But it, it does really show you kind of what people think. And, you know, it's a hard lesson to learn at that young age. Who, uh, your daughter had a friend, one of the other kids, is that it? Yes, it's a very good friend. This is like her, you know, go-to person. And um, I think that's what hurt her the most because I don't think kids can understand, you know, we didn't have a fight, nothing changed, what happened, and all of a sudden she's just kind of frozen out. And, and are these other parents saying to your daughter's friend, you can't hang out with her anymore? They have to be. We, it's just been so blatantly obvious in comments that they've made and, you know, that they didn't want to be near her. They were walking, you know, 50 feet behind us. You know, I said, if, if there was a way that they could explain it, of course, some people being teachers, you know, they're explaining this to their students in the classroom all the time. We could go back to where it was in March, walking dogs from, you know, six to ten feet across the street, you know, talking, uh, walking around the neighborhood. There's nothing wrong with people keeping that distance, but the fear has become so pervasive. It's it's amazing how this hmm. happened overnight. It's really uh, curious because all the statistics show that there's almost nothing to worry about with fifth grade kids. And not fifth grade kids getting sick, fifth grade kids giving it to one another or spreading it. It's, 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 and certainly not death. I mean, it's just micro. I think it's in the 0.00 range, uh, kids that age. But, you know, that's what makes me wonder if something's beyond science and, and disease control is at work here. Maybe something, the socialization thing of like, uh, well, if you're going to take a different philosophy than us, then we're going to ostracize you, which unfortunately mm. is is so much now what's going on in the country on a larger level. You know, the fights over masks, 
which is just astounding to me that, uh, that people me can can lose their friends over masks, over whether right. you're wearing a mask or people attacking one another over masks or the fact that they have to wear a mask. Or you, you might have heard at the beginning, a woman got tased in a, in a, uh, in a, in a school uh, in the bleachers while she was watching her son play in a, in a game and she didn't have a mask on and the police came over and confronted her because I guess the rules are you have to wear one. And she ended up getting tased over not wearing a mask. But when we're in a country that is so divided on opinions, and then, of course, we could just tip of iceberg, whether it's politics, race, or anything else, everyone is so defiant, so defiant in their position that perhaps your friends or your your neighbors and Mm -hmm. this group are upset with your change of philosophy. You know, like, well, now you're not thinking like us now, right? so we don't trust you because we only trust people who think like us, which is, that's what's going on in this country everywhere you look. Exactly. And, you know, truth be told, they probably think our decision is hypocritical to what we've all been talking about right. and, and, you know, dealing with over the summer. But at the same time, it's not really anyone's personal business as far as why someone needs to be in school, the reasons behind it, what's going on, you know, behind closed doors, for example. Right. So, you know, at, at that point, while we decided to, you know, just kind of say this is where she needs to be, at the same time, they probably feel that, you know, our decision is is all, you know, hypocrisy. And it's, it's a shame. But we feel that, you know, certain things need to just be the decision that, that we make. And you would think that people would respect that. But apparently some people have different opinions. Did you tell them why you had decided to have your daughter go back to school? We did. And, you know, anyone can describe, oh, you know, you know, any, anything with kids at home is being met with, you know, defiance and tears and frustration and disorganization. You know, you name it. There's a, a long list of what everybody is experiencing. So when you describe what might have been going on with our daughter, it could sound like anybody's story. So, you know, when we talked to them and they, they said, oh, well, that sounds just like my son. Everyone can think that the story sounds the same, but when you're living it, it's not exactly the same. Well, right. It doesn't matter if the story sounds the same. I mean, you, what I tolerate and what you tolerate are, could be two different things. I, okay. you know, I, Some people can walk into a messy house and sit right down and eat dinner, and other people walk into a messy house and say, if I can't clean this up, I can't eat anything. You know, mm-hmm. I, 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 just can't. I mean, so what, that's not important. What's important is that if you made the decision that for your daughter uh, being at home was a a negative experience that outweighed Mm -hmm. the risk of possibly contracting this disease when it's almost no risk at all, uh, but you didn't want her to feel alienated, isolated, fall behind, whatever it is, it should be that you just say, we just feel we've got to send our our daughter to school. And that's if they're your friends, it's like, okay, you know, uh, we're not doing that. But if that's what you, you know, of course, what's best for her? Whatever you Completely think is agree. best for her. Isn't that how mm-hmm. people should parent? Lisa, am I missing something here? This is, doesn't seem <laughs> no, that... you're not missing. <laughs> doesn't seem to be that complicated a, a thing for people to accept. Uh, okay, that's what you're doing. But that's what makes me think it's like, well, no, you're not just doing that for your daughter. You're, you're smashing a gauntlet in front of us and saying that we're wrong. Lisa? Mm, right. And that's, that's my question, because I think you're onto something there, Mitch. Have they completely shunned you, the whole group, or are they still sort of talking to you? You know, because you can tell if there's just a level of discomfort, like, you know, we're all still friends, but we would rather not be around you or your daughter because now we're afraid everybody is infected. But, you know, we, we 
you know, value your opinion here? Or has everybody just completely backed away? Well, a couple of others, we have found other ways to see them, you know, walking around the neighborhood or, you know, kids can play outside and, and play at a distance and still find ways to do things. Um, it's, it's this one particular family that is the one that's the most obvious because we would, you know, talk across the way every day and, you know, take a walk or take the dogs or text. Or, it, it's like incommunicado. And that's the thing that's the most obvious. Other people, while they're still calling and trying find, to find ways to do things with us, I'm, I'm watching and wondering how long that will continue. The people who you say are the, the heavy violators, what has been your attempt to try to reconcile mm-hmm. with them or explain to them? It's funny, my daughter, it, she, she's like on a mission to do the reconciliation herself. It's very funny to watch. Um, it's Aww. cute. And even just as much as this afternoon, she saw them on the driveway and walked over. And I think she was trying to experiment to see if they would run in their house. I, it was, I was watching from a distance. And um, she really keeps you know, yelling across, can we walk the dogs? Can we do this? Can we do that? Just to try to see. So I, I don't see much reconciliation yet, but she's the one that keeps trying. I think I'm, I'm feeling so badly for her that I've kind of for the last few days given up and I'm just Mm. waiting to see the next comment that happens. Mm. Well, that's heartbreaking for her. What a terrible thing for a kid to have to experience, you know? I agree. It's not her fault. This is not something that she she did or brought on herself. And how do you explain that to a child? Right. You know, that's terrible. Exactly. And I think kids, especially now, need to stay extra connected to their friends. And it's, it's hard enough that kids are doing school remotely, that it's so nice when we can find opportunities for kids to safely play and socialize and maintain these friendships that are so important. So that's what is, I think, so shocking to her. Has your daughter done better since she's been going back to school? A hundred percent. It's been amazing to see. So I wonder if that's not something that you can express or get across. I don't know how you do it. If you call, you send an email. Uh, write but a note. It, yeah, write a note or just say, listen, I want to tell you something about, uh, you know, my daughter. Here's what she was like before she went to school, uh, before when she was trying to do it at home. She was this, she was that, she was crying, she felt distance. We found her in a room. She was, you know, she, she wasn't her normal self. Here's what's happened since she's gone back. She's upbeat. She comes home wanting to do her homework. Uh, she's happier with us. This is the child that we know. This is the, the life that we want for our child. I hope you can understand why we made the decision for us, not making the decision for you, but why right. we made the decision for us, why clearly you can see this is better for her. I ask you to understand that, because you know, we know in your situation, if you have felt something was best for your child— we would, of course, as, as friends, understand that that was paramount and not your loyalty to us and not your uh, need to do exactly the same as what we're doing, but what's best for your child. Well, look, here's, aren't you happy for our daughter? Aren't you happy that she's doing better? And, and uh, you know, it's hard for me to imagine if someone's a friend of yours, legitimately a friend of yours, and not, well, now you found out they weren't a friend of yours, mm-hmm. that they wouldn't understand that. I would agree. And, and it's funny because I said, you know, to my daughter, is there any chance that you think we imagined this? She said, it's impossible. There were so many circumstances and things that were mentioned. She said, it's impossible that we both imagined this all these times. 
Mm-hmm. So it's it's blatantly obvious. And like you said, you, you do discover that maybe they were acquaintances and not friends, and it was just a situation of convenience, being so close by in proximity and being able to be the go-to person doing all these things with. And, you know, while they may have grown apart as the, the middle school and high school years went along, it may have just happened sooner. But it's still a hard lesson, like you said, Lisa, for kids to learn at that young age. They yeah. eventually would learn it, but you wouldn't think she'd learn it this way. Yeah. Right. And I have, I'd be, I, I'm willing to say that the parents are driving the child's opinions here. Completely. I, I'm sure that the yeah. child wants to be friends with your child, but it's the parents who are keeping them apart and probably saying things. Right. And, you well, know. This, is, this is another real tragedy and victim of COVID-19 that you're starting to hear sentences from parents, stay away from that kid. Yeah. You know, they're telling their kids, you stay away from that kid, or they don't take care, or they don't always wear masks, or they haven't been, we saw them out, and they were in the car, and they were going to the mall, and they didn't have their masks on or something. Stay away from that kid. Stay away from that family. I don't want to see you over on their lawn. I don't want to see, and, and you know, kids, they don't really understand the subtext of COVID-19. They just know distrust is now being introduced into their lives. And distrust within their community is now an emotion. And, you know, that didn't exist. If you lived in a nice community, a safe community, hopefully you do, then there wouldn't be much reason to be telling your kids, don't go there, don't deal with that one, stay away from that one, stay away from that one. Now, people who live in dangerous neighborhoods, people who live in impoverished neighborhoods, unfortunately, distrust is something that you grow up with. Uh, because there is danger ar- around the different turns, and people have to be very careful. But assuming that you, you know you, you're blessed to not be in that situation, and I would love to raise all children without an element of distrust in their lives, then the fact that you have had to introduce, or it's been introduced to your daughter, this notion of somebody doesn't trust me at age ten. Right. At age ten, I am not trusted. That's different than being disliked, by the way. You know, kids mm-hmm. go through kids go through being disliked all the time. I mean, you know, in, in, they can be three years old in, in, in nursery school, and uh, mm-hmm. this one didn't want to play with this one. This one took their toys and went away. This one, you know, hit me. Uh, and and you have to deal with the fact that not everybody is going to go come up and hug you and give you a kiss. But distrust is different. Stay away. I don't trust you. That's a different emotion. And I don't think a 10-year-old should have to be faced with that. I agree. And, you know, it, it does completely remind me of your human touch story. And I, I was a, a faithful listener each week as mm. you released a new chapter. Thank and you. that that's what struck me the other night. And that's that's what prompted me to write this and send this to you, because that was exactly the kind of situation that started happening with these four neighbors that, you know, we're all doing everything together. And, you know, bit by bit, it started eroding. And um, it's it's a tough thing for for kids to learn at that young age. And, you know, we all know that some people are more reckless in the places they go and the things that they do. People have all been excited when restaurants are starting to open and movie theaters and all these kinds of things. It's hard to tell when we'd be comfortable personally doing any of those things, even eating outdoors. You know, we've just been doing, you know, many, many low-key things. And there are a lot of people that make different decisions. But at the same time, you can be smart about how you can associate with people. We're still not going in people's houses. Kids can play outside in the snow for hours on end in 30 degrees. So I said, you don't need to be going into people's houses and doing things. We have a a long year ahead of us, whether we're in school or not, to be able to play safely and be able to still have fun and be with your friends. Right. Good point, because it's not like we're going to do this show and, and by Friday 
everything's going to be fine. You know, we're going to be dealing with this uh, probably for the second semester of the school year, too. You know, a lot of people seem to think, well, end of 2020, that'll be end of our problems. Mm -mm. Even if a vaccine comes along quickly, and that's a big if, Mm -hmm. uh, the distribution of that vaccine, the safe taking and proof that it's safe taking of that vaccine. And and by the way, a lot of kids aren't going to take it. And a lot of parents are not going to let their kids take it because they're going to say, why do I want to risk my child to a vaccine that's unproven when my child has a zero point whatever chance of getting it in the first place? The people who are going to take that vaccine and the people to whom it's going to be distributed first are going to be the most at-risk population. That's going to be elderly people and people with pre-existing conditions. These are not generally people who have kids in elementary school. So it's going to be a while before that works its way down to the school population. And I'm going to bet that next semester is going to be exactly the same remote learning, the options of remote learning, uh, a lot of kids not getting together. And, you know, at age 10, at age seven, at age five, when you take an entire school year and separate children from one another and separate them from hugs and, 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 uh, complimentary pats on the back and little squeezes of the shoulder and arm, you know, the, the, that, that, that are just part of normal daily life uh, confirmation that the child is doing something good and right. We are going to pay a big price for a year and a half uh, at minimum that that's going to be gone from our children's lives. And so to then have it <laughs> voluntarily in a group like yours, that seems to make it that much worse. And I, I, I happen to think if you feel that it's safe uh, to send your child to school, she will benefit much, great, uh, m- much greater from being there and the social interaction and the normalcy than just, uh, y- you know, the, the physical part of it, that she's safe. I agree. And, and there are also many people that say until there's a vaccine, they're not sending their kids back to school. Right. But then on the flip side, you know, years ago when we were all young, everyone got the chicken pox and that was that. And now there's a vaccine. You can't go to school until you get the chicken pox vaccine. So you wonder if the schools will require this COVID vaccine. I can't imagine that they're going to be able to. So it's going to be interesting how that whole thing transpires. Yeah. Well, it's 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 so interesting to talk to you and hear a sort of a real life version of the human touch story that I wrote, because you're, you're right. I, you know, I based that when I wrote that, that novel and that was, you know, three months ago now, uh, that I based it on things I was hearing and seeing around and stories that I was hearing about people kind of turning. And then just my imagination, you know, that's what a novelist does. And, and and you sort of say, well, here's what would likely happen. The Chinese American couple in that book was a victim of a lot of mistrust and, and, Mm -hmm. and, and prejudice um, and other people's kids when they got sick. Uh, But to hear it happen within a group of friends you know, within a group of people who already kind of have, you got, let's face it, you guys came unified because of COVID-19. You came together because of COVID-19. You Mm -hmm. formed your pool group because of COVID-19 as a way of sort of being safe inside your own little mini bubble. And, and then all of a sudden to feel like you somehow betrayed the bubble or betrayed the philosophy of the bubble. And now you're ostracized. Your daughter is ostracized. Um, that is human touch incarnate. Maury and I talked about uh, this and the idea of community and involvement with other people. Here's a clip from that conversation. 
not only is your function in life to fulfill your own potential, but to help fulfill the potentials of other people, which means it's always a dual function. And the beauty is to discover acts which contribute to your own good and to the common good. Give me one. Well, it's very simple. If you're a person who lives in a community, you try to develop a community where people are helpful to each other. Instead of around here, nobody talks to anybody else. Mm -hmm. In an emergency, everybody comes out and helps. Why can't it be that way all the time? Because we're so individualistic in our attitudes. And I'm suggesting that we have to change that drastically if we're going to survive. So you hear Maury there talking about community. Now, this was Maury talking in 1995. So that's 25 years ago. Yeah. And it basically, he could have been saying this yesterday with regard to COVID-19. It's incredible. Uh, Yeah. And we are part of a community, but he also said... You know, if you can't fit in in the community where you're placed, create your own community. And what's ironic is you kind of did <laughs> create right. your own little community. Right. <laughs> and then they kind of turned on you. But then create a different one. You know, you're not obligated. Your community isn't, and you're not obligated to be a community that all has the same street address uh, or all lives in the same zip code. You know, your community can be of like-minded individuals who don't judge one another for what they do with their children. And, you know, maybe you need to build a community more of people like that. I agree. And, you know, we're trying to turn this into a positive experience. I said you'll expand your horizons, you'll do different things, talk to new people, and you can't just let fear be the only voice that's in your head. So we're we're trying to give her that positive experience and, and turn it in such a way that she can grow from this. Well, I think you're doing the best possible thing with that and the right thing with that. And I I hope you can uh, rectify this situation with uh, these people. If they are friends and have been friends in the past, you know, on on other weeks of the Tuesday People podcast, we'll talk about forgiveness. And, Mm -hmm. you know, forgiveness is important, too, not just standing your ground, not just always being right, not just uh, even the community things we talked about. So if there's a way that perhaps you can get it across to them in that letter, in that email, and something you drop in their mailbox saying, aren't you happy that our daughter is doing better? This is the reason. We didn't do it to be different than you. We didn't do it to break away from what you think. We didn't do it to to say you're wrong, we're right. We did it because we want our daughter to be fulfilled and happy, and she is right now, and that's all. We're not telling you your daughter should do that or anybody else's should, but can you respect us and can't we be the friends that we once were for this? And You know, you never know. If you're the first one who reaches out, sometimes that's all it takes. I agree. I agree. Well, I will keep you posted for sure. That would be wonderful right. if that were to happen. <laughs> well, you know how to reach us now, Jody. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's obvious you have managed to reach us. So, uh, yeah, please please do. Please Thank do. you Best so much of- for including me in this conversation. Uh, I appreciate no, it tremendously. We enjoyed it. Thank you for sharing your, uh, your emails with us, and uh, we encourage everybody who's out there to do the same. Uh, and who knows, you may end up on our program talking to us about that very, uh, very same issue. You can do that at wetuesdaypeople.com, wetuesdaypeople.com, which is where you can find all the information about our show and how you can get in on the 
the messaging and the, uh, the social media and all the rest for it. Uh, we thank Jody for joining us. Lisa, always thanks to you for helping put this together. Great idea to talk about this very timely topic. And, of course, we'll see you again soon. And uh, until we do, thank you for spending some time with us. Mitch Album here saying, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday, people. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday People.